Welcome into another episode of the Pinewood Perspective. I got T. Gorski, my boy Thomas joining me, and my boy Justin Matthews as well. How are we feeling, guys? All right, man. You know, coming off a of Bears win, it's always a good, uh, good following week. So, uh, yeah, I feel like right. it's better than a loss, but it doesn't feel great. You know, <laughs> right, right. it doesn't feel like we won, but a lot of people didn't even have us winning. You know, more than three or four games. We already got two, so just got to win like three more games in the remaining fourteen weeks to beat out the beat out. Uh, what the experts were saying about us. Thomas, you had a good weekend, a, a sweaty, a sweaty game on Sunday against the Lions, but that's not the same old Lions team. I feel like we've kind of all been saying that the the entire offseason, and especially it being in a divisional game. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, the worst part was uh, I couldn't even watch it live. I kind of had to go off the Twitter updates. Uh, you know, my dad's calling me on the phone, giving me play-by-play -play for that whole final, like, drive. Um, so I, I ended up rewatching the game, um, little ups and downs. It's definitely not the same old Lions team, uh, but you know, Lions are still the Lions and I still don't think Dan Campbell's the guy over there. So I just really? feel like, I feel like he mismanaged that. Like, I feel like at that point you already have a kicker who's struggling. Who is their kicker, by the way? Is he hurt? Or it's, is that uh, no, it's Cypher. And I, I found out after the game. That apparently um, Seifert is eight was like eighteen of like thirty two or, or eighteen of like forty or something from like forty yard field goals over his career or something. And what happened? Really bad. And and they ran him out there for a fifty six yarder, which made no sense. You just punt yeah. the ball. Who who was their kicker last year? Was it Seifert? I think it was between. Uh, yeah, he. I think he started the year. He got hurt, and then they brought in. Um, it was a former kicker for the Vikings. Uh, he was like a, a rookie. Um, Riley Sorry, I guess I just yeah, don't it, it was Riley Patterson. That's what it was. I guess I just don't. How long is Matt? Where is Matt Prater in Arizona? Yeah, yeah, he's been in Arizona for a few years now. Yeah, I guess that's just how little I follow the Lions. But yeah, I mean, as soon as the Bears games Bears game was over, I saw you know Lions up three. I got like super excited because I was just like, imagine. You know, Green Bay loses to Tampa Bay. They go to one and two. The Vikings go to one and two against the Lions. And the Bears and the Lions are atop the NFC North. I, kind of, I was just like. I mean, that Vikings game, though, like, it was all over the place. Like, there were so many points that, like, I'm just looking at my phone or looking at people's reaction on Twitter where I thought it was like a blowout at, like, halftime. But I guess uh, found after the game, Vikings are now um, the first team since 1981 to make two 10-point comebacks in one game or something. Mm. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You guys were down 10 twice. 14 nothing at one point, then 24-14. Yep. Uh, wow. Good old but Captain Kirk. I just I feel like I feel like Dan Campbell, he you either you got two situations there. You either try you punt it and you pin them down very deep. And I know they only have to go like 60 yards to get uh into field goal range, but I mean Minnesota's Kickers have always been kind of shaky. I feel like I'd rather take that risk. Joseph already missed two 56-yarders up to that point. So Exactly. So I was like, okay, there's two options here. You either go for it and seal the win right here and the game, or you punt the ball and you pin them deep and pray that they don't pick up 70 yards to get Greg Joseph into, you know, his comfortable range. And I feel like 
just obviously trotting out Seifert was the worst option possible. If he makes it, you know, it's a six point game. I get it with a minute to go. You still got to kick the ball off and then they got to go the full 50 or the full, you know, full 80 yards to score. But at the same time, the kicker confidence in the kicker had to be very low and you're giving them great field position now with a minute left, only down three. In my opinion, option one should have just been, you're the underdog, you're on the road, go for the win, try and seal the game. Option two is punting it, and the worst option, and shouldn't even be an option, is kicking the field goal. They were aggressive all day long. I mean, they went for it on fourth down like four different times. I think at one point they went for it on like fourth and seven and converted like in their, in their own territory. Like they were aggressive all day long. Um, I guess if you're a Lions fan, it's pretty unfortunate to see that uh, aggressiveness kind of uh, go to shit a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But let's get into it. Uh, we're going to start off with a new segment this week. Uh, actually, no, we're going to do our biggest takeaways from week three first. There's a lot of them. We're going to do our biggest takeaway. What you felt was, you know, the most impressive thing from week three. And then we're going to go from there. Thomas, we'll start with you. What was your biggest takeaway? It could be a good takeaway. It could be a bad takeaway, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest takeaways that I have to at least come away with is that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles might actually be, like, a legitimate threat, like, threat in the NFC, not just for this year, but going forward. I mean, Hurts looks like him. Like, he looks like he could be the MVP this year. He's, he's taken that next step. You have A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, I think arguably could be – then you know could be better than the best could probably be the best one-two punch in football from a wide receiver standpoint i think they're up there with chase and t higgins um you know they, they don't have any weaknesses and jonathan gannon it's just a matter of time till he's the head coach he's getting the best out of that defense and they're just annihilating these teams week in week out um you know i feel like they are the biggest threat right now in the nfc considering the nfc is wide open uh there's truthfully i don't think there's anyone even close to him right now Justin, what was your biggest takeaway? Um, I actually love that one. Um, but I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. I think uh, that the Miami Dolphins are the real deal. That's, that was my biggest takeaway from Sunday. Just um, another one to punch and waddle and um, Tyreek Hill. But what I loved about the win was neither one of them got touchdowns, you know, and they still handle business. You know what I'm saying? They handle business at home. Um, the Bills secondary, I know it was kind of beat up, but that's a team that you're supposed to beat. You know what I'm saying? You got these two dynamic wideouts, and I, I loved it. You know, Tua, Tua, I guess he had a concussion on Sunday, you know, but just to see them handle business and to be legit 3-0. and They are a legit 3-0. and I don't care how they did it. Look, they beat the Buffalo Bills, won a tough game against the Ravens, and they beat another division rival in um, the Patriots, so... I mean, I'm excited. I think that the uh, Miami Dolphins are absolutely the real deal. Yeah, I mean, both of you guys are right. The Eagles look very, very, very scary. Jalen Hurts is playing out of his mind football. He's probably, in my eyes, as of right now, playing like the second best dual threat quarterback in the league. I think he's playing better than Kyler Murray, but I don't think he's playing better than Lamar Jackson. And that's my biggest takeaway. My biggest takeaway is that the Ravens are going to have to unload a shit ton of money into Lamar Jackson this year. They, I mean, he bet on himself. He turned down a lot of contracts. They've been in a contract dispute probably since his MVP season. 
I think you can negotiate after what year two and year two was his MVP season, if not year three. And especially for a guy whose arm declined over the last two seasons, uh, just numbers wise, and he's been battling injuries. Um, and I, I was really nervous. I liked the Ravens a lot this year. They were my pick to win the AFC North, but I was really nervous about them going with Lamar as I was really nervous. I would say about Lamar's arm, like, can he get back to his MVP form when we saw a drastic decline in numbers from his MVP season the year after that, even to last year? I know he only played like 10 games, but his touchdowns and interception total were almost went toe for toe. It was almost one for one in touchdowns, interceptions. But I mean, he's playing lights out football right now. He's the best dual threat quarterback in the NFL. And he's probably going to go down as one of the greatest dual threat quarterbacks of all time. And the, all I know is that the Ravens are going to have to back up a couple Brinks trucks for that dude because he's going to get a massive payday. And I know he's going to use the Kyler Murray contract as leverage as well. He's going to say that is a player who is very, you know, a very similar player to me. You know, solid arm, great legs, can do it all on the field. And he's going to be he's outplaying Kyler Murray a lot. And he's going to use that to his advantage in the offseason, and the Ravens are going to have to give him that money because that is not a player that you can lose. It just It brings so much to your offense when you have a passer, a somewhat elite passer. I wouldn't give him the full elite yet of, like, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens with his arm, but just his legs alone make him one of the biggest threats in the NFL, if not the biggest threat in the NFL. That's my biggest takeaway. That offense in Baltimore is scary. Yeah, you know, and I feel like, you know, he's going to force them to pay him, but I, I still don't think it has anything to do with him individually as a quarterback. I think they just want to see him, like, actually win in the playoffs. Then they'll give him the money. So, because, like, we've seen Lamar multiple times, year in, year out. You know, he's always making highlight plays, highlight reels. Um, he had a great season a few years back when he won MVP. Um, there's talent around him again. You know, team's getting healthy. Um, I still think that they're prob. Honestly, I don't know if they'll pay him if they're like a first round exit. Um, I feel like if they're a first round exit again, and say they go like eleven and six, ten and seven, or something like that, hypothetically, um, they'll probably explore the trade market. I'll be honest. I don't think they'll pay him if they don't get um, any playoff wins. Like I feel like for them to pay him, give him because he's gonna want a fully guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson. He's gonna want money close to Kyler Murray. The only way I can see them paying him is if he wins multiple playoff games. That's what's going to happen because they won with Flacco, and they might think it's the system, not the quarterback. You you can't let you can't just let him walk out the door, though. I mean, especially well, if you think of the return you'll get. Think of what Watson got you. He'll he'll get you more than what the Browns get for Watson. So knowing a team with a front office as well as well constructed as the Ravens are, like it's a deep quarterback class. They're, you're going to get picks in return. You know, your offense, you can adjust. Like, that's just my thinking from, like, the Ravens because it's like they draft well. They kill the draft every year. They found Lamar Jackson at pick, what, 32? You don't think they could find another quarterback that could fit their system with Bateman there, Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, Harbaugh, a top five to seven offensive line, defense. So it's like that's probably what they're thinking is, which is why if he doesn't win any playoff games, it's why I think they might just opt to move on and get an absolute haul in return for him. I think it'd be tough to see that. I'm not. Oh, it would. I'm not saying I'd do that. But I'm just saying from like the Ravens standpoint, they let guys walk all the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can let him walk, man. 
Um, Lamar, I, I don't no, no, not in his in his in his prime. No, you can't you you can't let Lamar walk. They're gonna they're gonna figure that out. They're gonna have to figure that out. They have to franchise them, you know, something. Have oh, to something. Yeah, they're gonna figure that one out. Another real quick takeaway that I want to have from week three, and I know it's only week three and it's not time to hit the panic button on the NFC yet, but I don't see any team in the NFC that can compete with the AFC. I think the AFC this year looks levels better, levels better than the NFC. The Bucks, the Rams, 49ers, um, you know, Eagles look like the, the strongest team, the Packers. None of them have looked like this is a Super Bowl winning team to, in my eyes by any means. I think that there's probably four or five teams in the AFC that are better than the best team in the NFC. The Bills, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, even you could argue the Ravens all look better than any team in the NFC this year. And I don't think that there's any way possible that any of these teams will be able to compete. You know, yeah, I mean, as of now, I mean, the Eagles look like tier one, and then everyone else is just in the mix. As yeah. of now. I mean, the Bucks. I mean, I'm sure the Bucks will get it together, you know, once they get Godwin back, you know, if Julio Jones ever comes back, um, you get Mike Evans not being suspended, um, you know, you start getting a little healthy. Then the Bucks, I think, are probably the top team. But um, I'm still not sold on, like, the Rams yet. I don't think the Rams are going to repeat or do anything crazy. I still, you know, I still think Stafford's got a bum shoulder. Uh, he didn't even throw a touchdown against the Cardinals. The Cardinals only lost by eight points, and they didn't even score a touchdown. So it's like if Hopkins plays, Rondell Moore plays, you know, maybe the Cardinals pull out a win. Who knows? But, like, that's why it's just so wide open right now. All right, let's get into our next segment. Biggest loser of the week. It can be a team or a player who was just, was just a big disappointment in week three. Uh, Justin, we'll start with you. <laughs> So I've been saying this for like two years now, ever since he left Philadelphia. It's Carson Wentz, man. Um, that's the first person that came to my mind. I've, I've been saying he's a loser since last year. Um, before the postseason, I told you he was going to disappoint. He disappointed. You know, you get to that last game with Jacksonville. He can't pull it off. He's a loser. Um, he looked real good in week one. I gave him that, you know. At some point this past Sunday, what was it? I think I think the Eagles had like 300 plus passing yards and, and um, Washington had like negative one or something like that. That graphic was crazy. I've never in my life seen anything like that. That was like what the first half when they were like. Yeah, I've, I've never in my life seen nothing like that. Um, I have. I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised Carson Wentz is on the other side. That man is a loser. I didn't have high expectations for him, but um, I'm not surprised that um. That was like that dealing with Carson Wentz. He's a loser, and um, he's definitely the biggest loser of this week. My thing about Carson Wentz is, like, I just think he's going to probably be around for a long time, but he's probably just going to be a career bridge from here on out. He has solid numbers year in and year out. Like, they're not awful numbers. Like, his numbers with Indianapolis last year in a good offense with a lot of help from the run game and a good offensive line, they were decent numbers. You know, that's – solid numbers that you look for in a starting quarterback but at the same day it's not at the end of the day it's not the same nfl anymore like you know 26 touchdown passing touchdowns is solid but you know this is a league where you're supposed to if you're not throwing 30 you're really not in the elite category you're not throwing 30 to 40 touchdowns like you're not in that you know elite category of quarterback so i mean to me i think i consider him kind of like a less talented more safe 
Jay Cutler from my like he, you know, he's decent. He can maybe win you some games at times, but like he's just kind of never going to be the guy that he was drafted by the Eagles to be. And the Colts took a risk on him. And honestly, right now, looking at the Colts, like it, they might have been better off with Carson Wentz instead of Matt Ryan. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say he's a full blown loser. Justin, I don't know what you got, like a little itch against Carson Wentz. The loser, man. The way he handled the situation in Philly. He, but at it the started, end of the day, he's not a winner. I'll give you that. I don't know if he's a full blown loser, but I don't think he's a winner. Okay. Thomas, biggest loser. Yeah, um, you know, I think when it comes, you know, this is such a hard topic to really decide because you're you're so it's so early in the year. But I would say um, one of my biggest losers, and I've never been a big believer in, is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. Um, I think, you know, his performance the other night and seeing how limited that offense was, it just shows why they were so invested in Trey Lance and why they knew Trey Lance was needed to take that next step. Um, Trey Lance wins that football game in Denver, whether it's with his legs. Trey Lance looked solid last season. You know, week one, you know, you can't really evaluate week one due to the weather and how awful it was, but Trey Lance gives you something Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't. He has a strong arm. He's mobile. He can extend plays. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to collapse in the pocket. His, he's limited as a passer. You know, he could hit guys wide open. He could hit Debo Samuel on, on a design screen pass. But, I mean, when you go into Denver and your defense has a stellar performance as they did, you know, obviously it was an ugly football game. I'm not going to deny that. Ugly football game. Just not a game you want to watch, 11 to 10. But you're telling me that if Trey Lance is in there, you know, someone other than Jimmy Garoppolo, you can't put up more than 10, was it, 10 points? You can't put up more than 10 points? Just score, you know, just score a touchdown and two field goals. Like, you, you can't do that against a team that, what, Geno Smith threw, what, two touchdowns on Monday Night Football in primetime? Like, you're telling me you can't do that? Geno Smith is more capable of scoring against this team than Jimmy Garoppolo has been in two NFC championship games? primarily because of his defense in the run game, not because of him. So I think Garoppolo's kind of a loser because he's just making John Lynch's point of why they had to move on in the first place. And there's a reason that no one sent a second or maybe even multiple third-round picks for Jimmy Garoppolo. Carson Wentz went for, what, two-thirds? You're telling me you couldn't get that for Garoppolo, who's been to two NFC Championship games? So I think it's kind of just proving the point that San Francisco – is going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, and there's a reason why. He, there's just too many limitations. He's a big loser. I, I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo guy like you. I just don't know if it's – I mean, I think it's just tough to say. Denver's defense looked amazing, and they looked really good so far. They looked horrible week one. But, I mean, it was de- – It was they looked okay. horrible against Houston last week. Why is it so different against San Francisco? They're still – they still – I mean, they still have not uh, gave up you know, shit for points. Like they forced a lot of fumbles against Seattle. They're, they just weren't falling on them. Uh, so I think it's Denver's offense. That's really just the issue in Denver. And we're going to get to them later in the episode. But my thing about, I mean, I just don't know if like, I mean, I get it. Like maybe they could have won that game with Trey Lance just because he brings so much more with his legs, but he hasn't shown in, you know, his career yet that, I mean, he's got a, he's a better arm, but as accurate as Jimmy Garoppolo yet, he has not done that yet. He's really young. And that's my thing. Like, I'm not saying they would have, you know, gone out there and lost if they had Trey Lance, but 
he hasn't shown that yet. Like I, I need to see more from Lance. And obviously it's very unfortunate that he's injured. So we never know. But yeah, I do think that Jimmy Garoppolo is a loser, but I do think that he was playing against a really good defense in the Broncos. What you But yeah, I do think he is a loser. Damn. Yeah, I don't okay. think he's a great quarterback. I think that he runs, you know, Kyle Shanahan's system well. And it was a very sloppy, awful game we won. My thing about it is that I didn't know where he was. He he bought the Dan Orlowski. Yeah, that was crazy. My crazy my thing about it is like you can't use the comparison of you know, Geno Smith threw two touchdowns against the Broncos defense to him. Cause like the bears have more points offensively than the Vikings and the Packers, but we all know whose offense we are taking at the end of the day over the bears. offense. Like that's the thing is like, you can't play them kind of scenarios in my, in my point of view. Like I, I, that's just, I just think it's too tough to tell. Like the bears scored more points against the Packers than the Bucks did, but we're taking the Bucks offense any day on you know every single day of the week and twice on Sundays. It's just yeah. tough to play. Every game is different. Uh, Jimmy looked solid against Seattle last week. It's not tough to get. It's not tough to look solid against Seattle, and he also came into camp very late. He wasn't starting week one. You know, give him time, and I think that the 49ers will figure it out, figure it out considering that Kyle Shanahan has been calling. If they do figure out, it will be because of Shanahan, not because No, yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, Shanahan yeah, has had him. They don't have a run game right now, which is hurting them big time because that's putting pressure on Garoppolo, and he's not the type of quarterback that you could put, the, you know, a lot of their shoulders. You know, if the guy's wide open, he'll hit him. If he's got to make a tough throw across the middle, he's not even attempting it. I agree. All right, my biggest loser of the week, the fucking Las Vegas Raiders. 0-3? Are you kidding me? You can't beat Tennessee. You can't beat the Tennessee Titans. Like the Tennessee Titans lost to the New York Giants. They've looked very bad so far this year. Like in my eyes, they're not impressive by any means. And you go out there, you trade for Devontae Adams. In his last two weeks, he has what 70 combined yards in two weeks after his amazing 141. <laughs> receiving yards in week one and you start 0-3 to the on the season I thought the Raiders were better than the Cardinals the Cardinals are not an impressive team so far this year I don't think they're anything special they're a solid team a playoff team last year when you blow a lead like that to the Arizona at home disgusting and then you go out there and you drop a game to the Tennessee Titans who are one of those teams in my eyes that I didn't see anything impressive from them coming forward this season like the Cardinals, the Titans are like two of the biggest teams that were postseason teams last year where I was like, okay, I don't think they're going to be shit this year. You know, they're going to be good. They're going to win eight to 10 games, but they're not going to compete in any way whatsoever in their conferences. And the Raiders lost two games to both of those teams. Like in my eyes, starting 0-3 is an absolute disappointment. It is disgusting. And I get it. You got Josh McDaniels, you got things to figure out. You know, it's new head coach, new system. These things take time. But at the end of the day, that's gross. Starting 0-3, that's gross. And you added Calais Campbell. Like, there's there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Like, it's, it's really, really bad. And they're my biggest loser of the week. And as of right now, biggest loser of the season. Let's yeah. move on to the – Go on, go on. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to agree because, like, I told everyone that I was not buying the Raiders hype all offseason because you have Derek Carr at quarterback. He's he's not a winner. He never has been. 
He's like below, what is he, 15, 20 games above 500? Like, he, that's, it's just not who he is. I don't care who you put around him. The team as a whole is just, they're old. They have an old defense. Like, I just, I never really saw the hype that everyone else did. You know, Josh Jacobs, there's no sustainable running game. McDaniels was a failure in Denver originally. It's just, it did, it, it looked great if you're playing Madden, but like, uh, for, compared to everyone else in that division, they're just, they're nowhere near everyone else. And you blew a game to the uh, Cardinals. Like, like, I think the Cardinals are better than what people are saying they are right now. But it's like James Conner got hurt. He didn't even play, like, the rest of that game against the Raiders. He got hurt in, like, the first or second quarter. They have no DeAndre Hopkins, no Rondale Moore. Zach Ertz is playing injured. And you blew a 20-point lead. Like, I don't understand how the Raiders could possibly be this bad. But I guess, you know, they just are. And I think it, a lot of it falls on that. I don't think that they need another weapon outside of Adams. Next has Matt Collins. Like, what's going on there? Uh, okay. no, the team overall is very dysfunctional right now. Renfro is hurt. When I do think yeah. Renfro is, you know, one of the better slot. Oh, absolutely. He's a great slot guy, but you need another outside guy. No, I agree with you completely. Adams. I agree with you completely. But you should be able to get the job done with Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams. I mean, the Cardinals had everyone out, and you still lost that game. Like, yeah, it's just that's crazy disgusting. It, that, it, it's At gross. Home. And I, I agree. I, I will say I did have the Raiders finishing fourth in their division. I had them – you know, I think I had them at like 10, nine to 10 wins though. Still like this is a football, like seven or eight. This, this team should still be winning football games with their roster. It's not like they have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Derek Carr has not yet been shown to be a winner in his career, but he's also had shit rosters around him and he's gotten the team to the playoffs twice. Like it's, mm-hmm. good, it's good enough to get the job done with the weapons that you have around him. And, and I get it. You know, the defense has some holes, but it's starting 0 and three especially after trading for the one of the best receivers in the NFL, if not arguably the best receiver in the NFL. It's it's very frustrating to be a Vegas fan right now. Um, but, yeah, that's my biggest loser. Let's move on to our next segment. Panic button. I'm going to give you guys some players, some teams. Do you guys think it's time to hit the panic button on these teams, or should we just, you know, maybe sit back and relax? Justin, we're going to start with you on the first one. Nathaniel Hackett and the Denver Broncos. Is it time? Is it time to start panicking on their offense? Yeah, um, it's definitely time to start panicking on the offense. Um, you, know, you got a rookie head coach. Uh, I don't know, man. Russell Wilson is just, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of those. Like, I'm, I'm always real uh, big on Russell Wilson. Um, people love to talk about how prolific the defense was, and he just Russ just kind of you know, guided the, uh, you know, steered the ship. But, I mean, I've always been pretty high on Russell Wilson. Uh, I remember a few years ago, he, he it was early in the season, but, you know, he looked like flat out the MVP. And I love Russell Wilson. You know, I, I, I love his game. I love his accuracy. I, I love how he, how he can uh, move with his legs. Not the best at it, but, I mean, he can still, you know, move with his legs. And uh, I just, you know, he's he, to this point, he's just been inconsistent. He's been inconsistent, and I don't know what the reason is. I don't know if it's the play calling. I don't know if it's because it's – I don't know if it's the mile high air. I don't know what it is, but Russell Wilson is inconsistent. Um, he got a rookie head coach. He's got weapons. Um, I love I love the the, uh, the the running back dynamic. So, I don't I don't know <sighs> – I don't know if I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm hearing that Jerry Judy is overrated. I don't, I don't know. I thought Russ being there would change that. Maybe they just need some more time to jail, but 
the Broncos offense, man, they just look inconsistent as a whole and they need to fix it. So it is time to hit the panic button. It's week three. Yeah, they got a win against San Francisco. It was an ugly win. Um, I don't see this team, especially at this point, making any real playoff push at any point. I mean, they look very average. So um, I don't know what the answer is, but they 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 just inconsistent, man. Inconsistent. Thomas, panic button or relax? Um, I think when it comes to Russell Wilson, there need you need to relax. But I think from the Denver Broncos and Nathaniel Hackett as a whole, you need to panic. You messed up. You hired the wrong coach, plain and simple. He there's some guys who are meant just to be coordinators, and there's some guys that are actually meant to oversee the entire operation. And Nathaniel Hackett, he should just be a coordinator and not call plays. Like he, he should be a quarterback coach. Maybe something because he didn't call he, there was no reason for him to get this job. He never called play, he didn't call plays in Green Bay. The only experience he had was with Blake Bortles as the Jags offensive coordinator when, when they made it to the AFC championship game. That was years ago. So there was even nothing even recent. Uh, Jonathan Gannon was a finalist. He's the guy that they should have hired. Gannon is a young, defensive-minded coach, but more importantly, uh, he's he's young. He's got connection around the league. He's one of the most well-respected guys. He's going to be a head coach this offseason. Just look what the Eagles defense is doing this year. Um, yeah, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, you know, it's really bad when after you don't let your $250 million quarterback go out there in fourth and five in Seattle to win you the game. The very next week, you have to hire a game management um, coach. You, you have to add someone to your staff to help you with game management. Like, that is not a good look for anybody. Um, obviously, I feel like him and Russell Wilson are not always on the same page, which is kind of an issue when your quarterback and your head coach, they need to be on the same page to, to maximize success. And uh, they just haven't done that yet. And it's – I don't know what – maybe Melvin Gordon just got, like, naked pictures of someone in that organization. I don't understand how you do not just make Javante Williams a workhorse at this point. Your offense is smoother when he's out there. The, he, he's bound to just have multiple big runs every game similar to Saquon Barkley. He can't get it going because he's in there for a drive. He's out the next drive. He's in the next drive. He'll be in. But then he's out for the next three drives. We're just commit to him. Because Russell Wilson has always, his entire career since his rookie year, you have seen maximum success when you get the run game going first and you use Russell Wilson on the play action, bootlegs, set up the deep, the deep throw. That's, it's always worked for him. Now you're having him, you know, snap under center, drop back, try to find someone open. It, it doesn't work. And Nathaniel Hackett just doesn't comprehend this is what it is really coming across to me as. So the fact that Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson aren't on the same page is why I'm hitting the panic button. Their defense will probably get it together because they have so much talent, but there's just their offense. I blame all of it on Nathaniel Hackett. Anything that everything that you could do wrong with this team on offense, he somehow has magically done within the first three weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really tough because they look so great on paper. Unfortunately, it's just a coaching issue. If you have a competent coach in there, this team's probably 3-0. I think uh, – I don't know if I can full-blown hit the panic button yet. It's only week three. I get it. But I'm very, very, very worried if I'm a Broncos head coach because this is not at all what you want to see. You traded for Russell Wilson. You gave up a lot for Russell Wilson. And you gave him a very big contract. And three weeks into the season, you have a head coach who can't work well with one of the best quarterbacks in the league and can't – get him going 
like around the NFL, look at all the other all the other rookie head coaches. They're working with either you know a very young quarterback or that's about it really. I mean, I mean, I can't, obviously I can't think of all of them right off the top of my head, but look at Mike McDaniel. He look at how he's getting Tua going. Like he has prolific weapons around Tua and he's making it work. So the fact that Nathaniel Hackett can't get a proven quarterback and Russell Wilson with a lot of weapons around him, like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, he can't get that going. That's scary. That's panic button. That's almost panic button time. I think we need to maybe just see if they can gel, see if they can figure something out. But this is not, I mean, it should be that he, it was pretty much handed one of the, the keys to one of the easiest jobs in the league, a good young defense with Russell Wilson in the passenger seat. And all you got to do is drive the car straight and don't crash it. And it's, it's hitting the railway. It's hitting the rail guard right now. Like it's scraping up against the walls real hard. The paint's coming off the car. It's, you know, smoking up a little bit and you need to get that shit into a shop and you need to get it figured out. I do. I do honestly kind of tip my cap to him for hiring a game manager coordinator. It's bad, a very bad look that you have to do that, but at least he's recognizing where he is a little bit weak at and trying to get some help there. He's a young head coach. You see lots of, young head coaches who think that they can handle it all and don't have to worry about it. But that right there is that's, that's, that's scary. All right. Next one, panic button or not bucks offense. Thomas, we'll start with you. Oh uh, yeah. No, I mean, this Bucks seems limited. It's pretty obvious. Fournette was banged <laughs> up last week. He had a hamstring. So he missed practice all week. Um, Chris Godwin, you know, he played one game and then he got hurt right away. Um, after come, trying to come back from a torn ACL from last year, you have, let's see, let's see, uh, Mike Evans is suspended. Um, there's no Rob Gronkowski. There's been no tight end to step up. You, you've lost your starting center. Uh, you've, I believe they lost their left guard. They lost their other backup center. I mean, Brady's doing what he can, but he's also 44 years old. Like, a decline's bound to hit. But you can't just hit the panic button on the Bucks offense. Because uh, you don't know what they are because they haven't been able to play together. They're so injured or someone's suspended. Um, so, you know, the Bucs are going to get it together. Um, they'll, they'll, full, they'll go out, win that division. They'll win 13, 14 games. They'll probably make it to the a, or the NFC Championship game. I mean, so, no, you, you can't hit the panic button just because there's no one available on offense. They just signed Cole Beasley. I mean, you got Beasley, Scotty Miller, and Brashad Perryman out there this past week against the Packers. With that defense, it's not – as great as Brady is, you need some type of capable weapons. So it's like if Godwin's out there, Evans, either a Gronk, someone, you know, if you get the guys from last year out there, Bucks put up 20 points against the Packers and they, and they blow them out. It's plain and simple. Um, so, no, I don't think you can hit the panic button just yet. If you want to go a few more weeks and they're still not averaging more than, like, 15 to 18 a week, then maybe panic, but no, not yet. They're at, like, 17 a week right now, points per game. Yeah, like you can't you you can't panic because they have no one on the field. Justin, um, yeah, completely agree with uh Thomas. Yeah, they didn't have anybody, man. As long as you got the goat back there, I think you are in good hands. Um, I think this is Tom Brady's season, unless uh season his final season, unless you're worried about like um father time kicking his ass in the next uh, few months, then, uh, yeah, you ain't got nothing to worry about, man. He just needed some weapons. He even, uh, I think he utilized the weapons that he had pretty good. 
um, you know, getting uh, Russell Gage involved. And I just, you know, they're going to be okay. They're going to be all right. Um, still a pretty, I would say, favorable uh, division that they in. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you know, you got Tom Brady and um, for every everything that, that uh, Thomas said, they all right. Honestly, I, I'm a little worried. I, I think maybe I'm just a little bit more worried than you guys because I want to, I mean, I want to know how much this is going to, the loss of Bruce Arians is going to impact us for three weeks in without him. And, you know, the offense is looking a little stagnant. And I get, like you said, that's why I'm not hitting the full panic button once again, like I did with the Broncos and Nathaniel Hackett. But I am worried. I am a little bit worried because we've seen Tom Brady work with weapons with, you know, not great weapons in New England. And I get it. He's older. Age is going to kick in eventually. But he's also in amazing shape. I mean, he's probably still at one of the in one of the best shapes of his life. I mean, you look at him in like his third year, and you look at him now, like he looks so much healthier than he did in his third year in the NFL. I know age is obviously a big factor in that, but still, like I am a little bit nervous about their offense just because I was worried about the loss of Bruce Arians and how much that would impact the offense. So they're, I think they're going to have to really turn it around. And like I Thomas said, and if within like three weeks they're not back, I'm going to be hitting the full-blown panic button on their offense. Once again, they're probably going to walk away with the division, probably going to walk away with the top three seed in the NFC. But the loss of Bruce Arians could catch up with them. And, you know, I know that's something that probably Tom wanted because there's a reason he came out of retirement the minute Bruce Arians, you know, moved into the front office. But – I'm worried about the play calling a little bit and they probably will figure it out. But as of right now, my fingers with both Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos and the Buccaneers offense, my fingers on panic button. It's not pressed, but it's on it and it's sitting on there firmly. So a few more weeks of this BS from both those teams and I'm full blown pressing it. I'm full blown pressing it. Last one, Devontae Adams. Are we hitting the panic button on him? Did the Raiders oversell? Are they just not working him in right? No, I mean, I just, again, you know, I, I think it falls on the quarterback. Uh, you know, Derek Carr, he's had weapons. You know, he's primarily been successful with his slot receivers. Um, I know Adams, you know, he creates a lot of attention. But, I mean, Adams, I believe he scored this past weekend. He scored the week before. And he pro- and I believe he scored week one. So, I mean, he's been productive. It just may not, like, show up in the stat sheet, I guess. But, I mean, actually, no, I take that back. It has shown up in the stat sheet. Um, he scored, you know, that he, he's brought there to be a touchdown machine in the red zone. Um, so no, I don't think you need to like panic on Adams just yet because I feel like the expectation was okay, we're creating, a, we're bringing in a number one receiver, we need to give Carr a reliable weapon outside of Hunter Renfro. Um, there was really no, there, no, I feel like they're getting what they got out of him. Like, there's no receiver in this league that has so has as much impact on, on truly just winning a game. You know, receivers don't win you football games. They help, but they don't win you football games. Quarterbacks do. Offensive linemen do. Like, quarterback, wide receivers do not because you. there's plenty of guys. There's a reason that you find so many receivers as a GM in the second round, the third round, Stephon Diggs in the fifth round, Adam Thielen undrafted. Like, like there's guys you can find everywhere. They don't win you football games, but they help contribute to them. So, I mean, I don't think, Nate, I don't think you can necessarily panic on Adams. Because I still feel like he's giving you what you expected. He's scoring touchdowns. He's creating double coverage. You know, he's doing what he can. It's like if Hunter Renfro plays this past week, the Raiders probably win because there's more weapons out there. So, again, like we said way early in the show, 
you need to find another weapon because Adams is going to be facing double or triple teams, especially if Renfro isn't healthy anytime soon. So, no, I don't think there's any reason to hit the panic button yet because he scored. He's being productive. It's like it's, you know, he's doing what he was paid for. He was doing what he was traded for. You know, again, it maybe just falls on the team itself and the system. I don't know. Justin, panic button time or no? No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, like Thomas said, uh, he's scoring. So uh, Devonta Adams him, himself, uh, specifically, he is fine. Um, as far as the team, it may not be as clear now. I think this team could uh, win a playoff game. I'm still because you got to first off, you got to think about how early it is in the season. This team could go on a great run, and you know what I'm saying. Any anything, everything is still up for grabs, you know. So let's not overreact um, just because they 0 three. Then you look at the division at the end. You got the Chargers banged up. Slater is out for the season. Um, I don't know if we got word on Joey Bosa, but I know he got hurt. Uh, Keenan Allen, I think he's supposed to be making his return in, in the next week or two. Uh, obviously, Justin Herbert isn't 100. percent So the Chargers. Guyton towards ACL, I believe too. Jalen Guyton, yeah. Guyton towards ACL, exactly. So. Chargers, man, I had them winning the division and, you know, really ascending this year. But, I mean, injuries can put a pause to that. Um, I told you, I don't got the Chiefs making the playoffs. Um, we are into that another day. I'm not big on the Chiefs this year. And uh, you got this, uh, this um, inconsistent Broncos uh, team, which I which I advise you to hit the panic button on. So, uh, I, like I said, man, this team, if we're talking about Devonta Adams uh, specifically, no. Like Thomas said, this man is uh, scoring. I think they just got to find their footing. You know, I think week one, um, Carr force-fed him the ball. We was like, man, you got other weapons, you know, utilize them. Week two, he got uh, Waller involved. You know, Waller caught a uh, touchdown. You know, he, he he had a great game. And they just, you know, I'm they're going to figure it out, man. They're going to figure it out. Don't quote me on that. I'm not, like, for sure, like, telling y'all, oh, they're going to figure it out, but – I wouldn't be surprised if they figured it out. Um, no panic button on Devontae Adams specifically. I agree. You can never hit the panic button on Devontae Adams. I think that Derek Carr is going to find a way to get his old college teammate moving. And I do think that, you know, they're going to find a way to start eventually winning some games. I just think that this 0-3 start puts a big – with how strong the AFC is, this 0-3 start almost kills their playoff chances in my eyes. I think it is so detrimental – that I mean, in the NFL, every game counts, but in the AFC this year, every game matters so much. And I think that's, you know, the Patriots starting one and two, and especially now Mac Jones being hurt. I think that pretty much writes them out of the postseason. You might need surgery that I mean, that will just officially write them out of the postseason in my eyes and starting 0 and three almost writes them off in my eyes you know obviously things happen injuries happen things can go their way they can go on a run but starting 0-3 in a very strong AFC a lot of these AFC teams are gonna have to start slipping for the Raiders to make the playoffs in my opinion they're gonna have to go on a big run and a lot of these teams are gonna have to start slipping so yeah no one no one got the panic button from me you know I guess I'm more of just an optimist but no one got the panic button from me I don't like talking about the Chicago Bears on this podcast just because, you know, I'm a Bears fan. 
Justin's a Bears fan. It just seems like, you know, you don't need to talk about your team all the time, but there obviously is something that does need to be talking talked about. Uh, the Chicago Bears are two and one. They run the football very well. The defense is a very bend but doesn't break defense. They, you know, are causing turnovers. They're going after the ball. They had like three forced fumbles on Damian Pierce that they just couldn't come up with. They got two interceptions on Davis Mills. They're they're just a very stifling defense. And, you know, the run, their their run defense isn't there yet. But the biggest glaring issue is what the hell is going on in the passing game. So we're going to talk about what Chicago needs to do and what we're seeing out there. Once again, I don't like talking about the Chicago Bears, but there, there's a very glaring issue that does need to be talked about, obviously. 297 passing yards through three weeks, 23 completions. I don't think the attempts are that high either. It's it's a big, it's a big, you know, a big issue in Chicago. And Thomas, what is going on and what needs to change? Uh, you know, I've said, yeah, you know, you guys know what I've said about defensive-minded coaches. Uh, this is very Teddy Bridgewater-esque to me. Like when it was like Zimmer's first year. Um, defensive-minded coaches, this is just a football they like to play. You know, they want to trust their defense, run the hell out of the ball, and have your quarterback manage the game. That's This is what is going on in Chicago. Like, I don't believe it's like they don't have a – like, they don't have faith in Justin Fields. I mean, he has not performed well at all. He's actually regressed from a year ago, in my opinion. But he also doesn't have the weapon. You know, he doesn't have any weapons. You know, and that falls on Ryan Poles, like, Maybe they, I don't know if it's like they wanted to save money or it's just the offense they want they they, they want to run like you know we want to run heavy we're gonna to want to invest maybe in the money in the offensive line you know maybe get you one weapon you know focus on the defense um, this just screams man get Justin Fields young quarterback game manager uh, it's just it's very Teddy Bridgewater esque you know trust the defense make short passes hit you know do some bootlegs. Um, but like, you don't know what you have in Justin Fields until you let him actually throw. I understand he has little to no weapons. The Bears might have the worst receiving core in all of football. Darnell Mooney's been a huge disappointment. Is it be, is it him or the scheme? I don't know. But it, there, it's the offense is a mess in Chicago. They've had a very fortunate schedule that has helped them get to a two and one start. So you don't necessarily have to win shootouts or you know where you, there's not that big of a competition because week one you're in a horrible weathering conditions where if you run the football better than the other team you were going to win that game and Chicago did it was it was an ugly game from both sides Green Bay was just ugly you know that was always going to be a loss this week was another game you know didn't look great but the Bears you know Houston Texans are one of the worst teams in football they're they're gonna have a top five pick Bears you know the defense did step up I'll say that because I at work I was forced to watch a good portion of that game because they had it on um but you know fields looked pretty rough Again, it's just I don't think they trust him fully yet to open up the playbook. But they they are kind of trusting him right now just to manage the game. Um, you got to let him throw 20, 25 plus times. I don't care how bad your receiving core is. You have to, like, just let him throw. I know Pringle's out. Elvis Jones has been banged up. You got Mooney. But why? Why? what is going on? Why are they not targeting Cole Komet? Why are they not targeting Mooney 10 plus times a game? Why are they not doing that? Those are your core on offense. And you're not even giving them the time of day. So I, to me, this just comes across as this is a Matt Eberflus problem. And he just is putting way too much faith in his defense, maybe. 
we'll see as the season progresses because you're going to be facing better competition going forwards. You know, you're going to be forced to open the playbook or you're going to go on a pretty big losing streak. So you got to open the playbook with Justin Fields because they have no loyalty to him. Poles and Eberlis have no loyalty to him. So they don't necessarily have to keep him long-term. They should because I don't, I think he still has a lot of potential, but you got to open up the playbook for the guy and let him throw. You can't, how can you evaluate a quarterback if you don't know what you have in them? So going forward, they're going to have to open that playbook. You're, you're winning these games against a very favorable schedule now, but now you're going to be facing tough for competition after the Giants. So that's why you're going to need to open up the playbook and Fields will need to win you games. Well, I mean, I feel like, you know, 49ers, Packers, and Texans isn't fully fairable. I would say I bet us all starting, I feel like everyone had a starting one and two. Some, yeah, obviously the national media who said that we were the worst team in the NFL said we were probably going to start 0 and 3. Uh, I don't think they ran the ball better than the 49ers. They just, you know, kind of had, you know, the luck of the conditions and just played better in the conditions and just had some really open, broken plays against that 49ers defense, uh, which helped us <clears throat> the game. But you're right in the rest of that in my eyes. I mean, they're, I just don't – I don't know what it is. I feel like this could be – they're just trying to develop him a different way with players like, you know, Russell Wilson in year one only threw the ball more than 25 times, like three times. Like it was a run-heavy system where with Marshawn Lynch. You've seen it a very, very few times in, you know, the careers of young quarterbacks. A lot of the guys go out there and throw 35 to 40 passes a game sometimes at this young age because they're like, all right, let's see what we got. In other situations – you see, you know, them kind of be more, you know, conservative and just go with a run-heavy scheme. And the Bears' offensive line against the run is, like, ranked second in the league in run-win rate. I mean, they look amazing. Like, they look so good against the run. But protecting the passer seems to be just still a little bit of an issue. They're not playing as bad as everyone thought that offensive line was going to be. And I'll give, uh, you know, you know, some credit to the offensive coaches over there in that because a lot of the three of the guys, I believe, on our starting offensive line, we're there last year. Four, actually, with Jenkins. I don't know. You swap in Patrick every once in a while. But um, my thing is, is, like, their issue, and this could be, you know, Fields, I'm not knocking. I mean, I am knocking Fields. He's looked he's looked very bad in his first three games. And it's for in the last two games, I will say. You, I'm not going to give the conditions game where he actually played somewhat well any knock. But in the last two games, I don't know what it is. I don't know maybe if it's like because he's fixed up his mechanics. Everyone says his mechanics look great. I don't know if that's, you know, maybe affected his confidence or maybe affected his accuracy a little bit because last year his deep ball accuracy wasn't actually that bad. He had a lot of, you know, there was a lot of head scratchers, but his deep ball accuracy looked a lot better. So I don't know if maybe he's just getting used to new mechanics, but his accuracy has definitely regressed from year one to year two. And, you know, obviously mechanics, switching up your mechanics could definitely play a part into that. And at the same time, he just, you know, obviously he's looking like he lacks confidence out there. And we saw this in his college career as well when he had back-to-back, like, really rough games against Northwestern and Indiana, where they kind of just stifled him all game long. And then all of a sudden the Clemson game comes around, pressure was on him, and he clicked and he threw six touchdowns. So maybe his confidence is just shaken up right now as well. He just doesn't look confident out there. And I think my my issue is with what gets he's called an amazing run game. The run, the run game has looked amazing in Chicago. It's looked like a top five running game in 
the NFL in my eyes. The thing is, they can't get him going because it seems like what he Getsy is trying to do is run the ball hard and gash him deep with the play action. That's that's what I'm seeing. And what we need to be seeing is him getting the ball out of his hands quick to open receivers. He needs to be drawing up four or five yard slants where he can just get a consistent get, you know, get into rhythm and hit these quick routes and hit these quick receivers so we can get his completions up and he can get into this rhythm of passing the ball and then open it up. I'm not saying that we need to be throwing the ball 35 times a game, you know, things, you know, quarterbacks develop in different ways. If they want to take it slow with him, I'm all for that, whatever, as long as it works out, but you can't just expect him to just dive into hitting these 15, 16, 15, 20 yard gains, throwing the ball deep when you don't get him into rhythm first and start hitting these quick passes. So that's where I feel like another issue has been coming with the Bears passing offense is that they're not getting him into rhythm quick. His confidence looks low. And obviously the weapons are playing a part into this as well. And it doesn't look good on Ryan Poles right now. I will say that it doesn't look good. I was all for, you know, saving the money right now and not putting good weapons. And I get it. There's been an injured receiving core, but at the same time, it doesn't look good. Cause you look at Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence looks good and they invested in weapons. You're looking Tua right now. They invested in weapons. He's looking better. Jalen Hurts invested in weapons. He's looking better. So it doesn't look great on Ryan Pohl's part. And that's about pretty much the only knock I have on him so far into this very short season is that I guess he, he didn't put enough weapons around Justin Fields. But I will say there's a lot of positives in Chicago other than the quarterback. So things need to get figured out. And if you can get Justin Fields going and get him into rhythm, get him playing solid football, this team doesn't look too bad on paper. Like, I mean, it looks bad. On, this team doesn't look too bad on the field because they're running the ball very well. The defense is bend, don't break. So if you can get Justin Fields going just a little bit, then it just, you know, it opens it up to an even more competitive football team. Yeah, um, pretty much, man. I mean, they messed up not putting no weapons uh, around them. I thought that from the beginning, I was completely on the opposite side of that. I'm like, he needs somebody. And everything isn't, you know, you don't need to take like a deep dive, a deep look into everything. I mean, it's almost like the opposite of what I thought about Jalen Hurts. Like last year, I could see Jalen Hurts need like miss his weapons like he needed he 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 needed weapons i've seen him throw and, I, and i'm not saying he the best you know passer but i've i saw him hit rager in the hands and rager just dropped the ball like jalen hurts looked like a competent quarterback that just needed weapons around him i was never on the train of oh this is his prove a year if he can't get it done this year they're gonna be looking in the draft for a new guy i'm like no jalen hurts is the guy as far as justin fields it's as simple as he needs weapons. He needs weapons. Um, it's trial and error. He needs an O-line. He looked like a quarterback that's being rushed. He looks hesitant. You know what I'm saying? That's why. And he actually, it's all just trial and error. It's, 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 it's one day at a time. It's only his second year. He finally got a brand new coaching staff. So they semi using him right, you know, and he looked good with the coming off the uh, play action passes and, you know, when he can kind of dink and dunk and kind of decide whether he's going to run, uh, 
it's, it's, it's pretty much when he's trying to just drop back and, you know, like you said, uh, throw 15, 20 yards down the field and make those kind of uh, kind of deep, deeper throws. He just, he don't seem confident. Seem like his confidence is shaking. He missing guys. He overthrowing guys. And it's you can't completely absolve him. But like I said, it's trial and error. It's his fault to an extent. You know what I'm saying? He, he got to get his confidence back. But as a coaching staff, right, you got to do something to get him in that rhythm. You can't just expect him to get it like that. So especially coming off last season. So on top of that, you know, you got the weapons. He needs weapons. If you just put – I mean, that's always part of the problem. So I think it's really just all trial and error. The coaching staff clearly don't trust him to uh, throw the ball. And they're leaning on that run game which is good for that game. I mean, you know, we got the win, but I think it's just going to be trial and error, man, until you can until you can somehow get him, semi get him in a rhythm and put some real pieces around him. I think this kind of is what we're going to see. He got to get his confidence back. But um, going forward, you know, we got teams that we're going to really have to – he's going he gonna, he gonna to have to throw that ball down the field. And I, I just think not putting no weapons around him, not putting no uh, protection around him, it's going to play a, a, a big factor in that. So I think at this point, the best you can do is keep playing to his strengths and um, try to somehow find, like you said, just try to get him in a rhythm so that he can um, complete some complete some of these uh, passes downfield and become the quarterback that we know him to be, that we hope that he can be. So I still got faith in him. Um, I think it's just going to be trial and error. I really just think he needs more reps. Um, it's unfortunate, like I said, that he don't got the weapons, but – Let's give him some more reps, man, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I feel like my biggest thing is, like, when they're running the play action, it just seems like – I don't know if there's a give in Luke Getze's play calling, like, but it seems like the either the defenses are guessing so good or maybe Justin's not selling it enough. But when they're running the play action, Justin has a guy in his face immediately, whether it's a safety coming down or they have an extra spy on the edge. But it seems like every time they run play action – that there is a man in his face and that is another knock like I can tell that they're trying to run the ball which they're doing well and then gash deep but when they're going for these gash deep plays Justin has a guy in his face every time on the play action so I don't know if it's like you got to maybe switch it up and then hit him with the play action but there needs to be a change in the passing game there's no other I can't give them another knock with what the coaching staff is dealing with in the roster the roster is not good and they're playing good defense and, you know, the run game is working really well. It is looking so good. But there just has to be some tweaks in the passing game. And I'm not – I don't want – I don't – I don't – I don't. I mean, I would love, but I don't need Fields to go out there and throw for 4,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. Like, I don't need that. I just need progression. And I, as a Chicago fan, I'm hoping that this is just maybe the, the floor. Let's hope that this is just rock bottom. And, you know, week by week we can grow and build on it. But last week was a tough floor for me, and it, it just it felt like they were just, you know, they're being conservative with them. And I don't think, you know, I'm not saying I, I think it'd be dumb for them to, you know, draft another quarterback next year. I think outside of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, I don't think that, you know, the talent really matches up with what Justin Fields has talent wise uh, outside of them two quarterbacks. And Joe Levis is probably a better passer coming out of Kentucky right now than Fields was at Ohio State. Just because, like, Levis doesn't have the weapons that Fields had. Because yeah. a lot of people did think Fields 
a lot of his numbers came from having such weapons. I mean, what do you have, like Garrett Wilson early on? Jameson Williams was there for a year. I mean, a lot of people thought that about Joe Burrow as well, though. Oh, that's why, and that's why when he goes to Cincinnati, oh, you got Tyler Boyd, we got T. Higgins. You know, it looks nice. And then they added, you know, Jamar Chase at the time. That's how you win in today's game with young quarterbacks. Surround them with a crap ton of weapons, <laughs> you know, and just Justin, you know, we saw it with Herbert. They had Mike Williams. They had Eckler. They had um, Keenan Allen. You know, like you, you, you just got to get weapons so you can actually maximize their talent level early on. Because the quarterback's confidence could be done, at, whether it's after the first year, the second year. Um, it's very important to get them off to a, a fast start. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm just hoping that we can see a change here and, you know, they can kind of just grow and uh, grow the passing game a little bit. And then next year, surround him with a shit ton of weapons. Just get his confidence ready for next season. I feel like that was what all of the Chicago fans' goal was. It's like we knew the offense wasn't going to be that competent this year. And I guess I'm a little bit more surprised in how well the running game is compared to what the passing game was. I thought we were going to be a pass-heavy offense, but um, with Getty calling it. But, I mean, here we are. And they're, they're running the ball well. So just get his confidence boosted up for year, you know, for year three and then surround weapons around him, which I think has kind of been Ryan. Obviously, we'll see if it plays out. But I think that's kind of been Ryan Pohl's goal the entire year is kind of just see if they, ha- they have a quarterback that they're working with and then go spend the money on the weapons. But we're going to move on. so much money on Miko Hardman, man, I'm telling you right now. Uh-huh. Miko Hardman's going to be a Chicago Bear a year from now, and they're going to probably get, pay him $10 million plus per year. He'll be next year's Christian Kirk. I can see it. They better. Miko Hardman just screams Chicago Bear to me. His they'll, like, they'll, draft the, they'll draft the receiver, and boom, there's your top three. You're good. I yeah. mean, if McCole Hardman is our wide receiver three, I'd be cool with that, like – I don't think he's an awful wide receiver. No, three. I love Hardman. Yeah. So, I mean, right. yeah. sign me sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. All right, let's go to players and coaches arguing on the sidelines. This should be quick and easy, but this is something I want to talk about. You saw Quinn and Williams getting in the Jets defensive line coach on Sunday. You saw Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy arguing at halftime. Cameras are all over the field. They're going to catch them doing this. Do you guys think that this just gets way too much hype and way too much coverage? Or do you guys think that this is actually somewhat of a serious problem? Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, coming from someone in the media field already that, you know, these are things you do look for because you are taught to look for stories. Exactly. Um, you know, and, you know, that's kind of what I was always taught. And that's what I even do, whether I'm writing, I'm, I'm about to write a breaking story. I'm on an investigative story. Um, I'm going to be looking for something. And when I see something such as Beatomy and Mahomes arguing, Quinn and Williams, you know, that's what I kind of care about. <laughs> So, like, that's what I'm going to pursue. Um, so, in a way, I do think it's, like, very media-driven, but I also think that it's also cause for concern. I mean, Eric Bieniemy has a reputation. He has a bad reputation around the league. That's why no one wants to touch him as a head coach. He gets it. He's too hard on his players to the point where he just calls them out consistently. He gets in their face. He treats them all equal, you know. You may think that, oh, that's a great idea. But, you know, there's a lot of guys in this game who believe that they should be, like, prima donnas. You know, they should be catered to, like, a Mahomes or someone where, like, they don't necessarily like that thrown at, you know. They don't like that at them. So I do think there's a cause of concern for the teams that you should probably hire coordinators and guys who aren't hotheads and have bad pasts, pasts that can come up and haunt them down the line. So I do think it just – it all depends on the coaching and whoever the head coach hires around them 
Because, I mean, you've seen guys like Greg, was it Greg Williams, who was with the Saints, who was with the Browns. That guy got into it with his players all the time, where it's just like you don't want those player, those coaches around your players. You want guys he, that could elevate them, not bring really, them down. He really got into it with his players, sometimes even paying his players. Yeah, cost the Vikings a Super Bowl. Don't remind me. Justin, what do you think? Do you think that this is uh, too much hype or somewhat a cause for concern? Um, I think it's too much hype. Like Tom just said, um, you know, those are things that the media looks for. Um, you're looking for that story, and of course you're going to blow it up. And, uh, you know, that's just the media, though. I feel like, you know, people are human. Um, you do get those assholes and those guys who, you know, probably shouldn't, who probably take it a little bit too far. And uh, But it's it's football, man. It's football. It's going to get heated. You know, it's not all pizza and cream. You know, people people take this serious. You know, it's, these guys get paid a lot of money to, uh, you know, go out there and play on Sunday. So it's understandable that especially playing this kind of a, a physical game, you know, uh, emotions are high and running. So, you know, if you seriously playing with that kind of emotion, of course, you may get into a, a little heated. It, it's it's going to get heated. Players get heated, coaches get heated, um, but that's just a part of it. And I feel like, you know, the media, they always looking for a story. Um, it's nothing serious. I think this happens probably more so than we even think, uh, especially like in locker rooms and, you know, on the, on the practice squad, things that we can't really uh, see too often. But, yeah, man, I think it's a little overblown. I think um, it happens. It's life. And uh, these guys take this game serious, and uh, that's all we saw. We just saw a couple of blowups on Sunday, nothing major. I think it's a little bit of both, and I lean definitely towards the too much hype. Obviously, this is something that the media on the field is looking for. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, they're looking for the drama, drama sells. This is what they want. They want people at home talking about what's going on on the sidelines as well as what's going on the field. So when something like this happens, it's going to get blown up. But at the same time, it's an emotional game. It's a high stakes game. If you make a mistake, someone's going to call you out for it. And, you know, it can get to the point where it gets heated and, it, and that's okay. And most of the time you're going to see, you know, hey, sorry about that. Let's get better, grow together. But there is times where it's a little cause for concern and you're like, okay, do they know what they're doing together? Like I remember, uh, one of my favorite sideline moments ever was actually uh, uh, week 18 Bears Vikings in 2018 when uh, Kirk and Thielen were losing to Chicago and the Bears uh, knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. And you see Kirk screaming at Thielen on the sideline, yelling at they're yelling at each other about running their routes. And I think that a lot of them were like, oh, Vikings downfall like this is. This is awful. They look so bad. And but at the end of the day, I don't think either of them were going at each other's heads. I love to see them arguing on the sidelines. But at the end of the day, they were just trying to get it figured out because they needed to win this game to make the playoffs and they were struggling. So I think a lot of it just gets too much hype. But there is moments and cause for concern where it's like, OK, there's some turmoil going on on the field and these players don't like each other or these coaches don't like each other. But I think most of it is just emotional. All right, guys, week two predictions. I'm going to set a timer for three minutes. Let's see if we can knock this out. Kind of like, you know, a little. Uh, week two? Week No, week three. Week three? Week four. Week four. Damn. <laughs> Season's flying. Season is flying. All right, timer for three minutes. We're going to see if we can knock out these predictions. 
in three minutes. We usually go five. All right. Ready, set, go. Miami, Cincinnati. Thomas. Uh, Cincinnati. Um, Dolphins are bound to lose. I think Joe Burrow, Chase, and Nixon. I think that team's starting to get it together now, and I favor home teams early on in the year. I agree. I'm rocking Cincy. Yeah. For the – I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Dolphins. I'm gonna be the oddball. I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. Um, not too too confident. I don't know. Is is a is is, is Tua playing? Is Tua hurt? Fifty fifty. McDaniel is optimistic. Okay, Tua plays. I'm going Dolphins. He doesn't play. We're going uh Cincy. Yeah, I agree. I I I'm I'm going with the Bengals. I think that you know Miami's riding really high right now. Bengals are hungry, looking for a win. Miami just beat Buffalo. I'm going. Uh, I'm going Miami all day. Minnesota, New Orleans, Thomas. This is tough because I just found out Winston might not play, so it could be Andy Dalton. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say that if Michael Thomas, Winston, and Landry are healthy, the Saints will win. But if not, then I'm gonna rock with the Vikings. You know, I think these are very comparable teams. It's just the Saints have a better defense, which is why I'm favoring them currently. I'm going Minnesota. Uh, yeah. Uh, James. James got to play for me to, but. If Jameis plays, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go New Orleans. If not, I'm going Minnesota. Not to keep giving stipulations, but eh. guys, we're doing bad. We got a minute and thirty left, and we're only through two games. Seattle, Detroit. I'm rocking Detroit. Yeah, I'm going Detroit as well. Seattle is just not a good football team right now. Lions are too talented on paper. De- Detroit for sure. Jets, Pittsburgh. Give me Pittsburgh. Steelers, I think this is the Najee Harris breakout game, and I don't trust Joe Flacco. Yeah, uh, Mike T ain't playing, man. He coming back for for uh, W, Pittsburgh. All right, Chicago Giants, I'm rocking with my Bears. I think they're going to run the ball very well. I think it's probably going to be like a 17-14 game. Saquon and Khalil Herbert and or David Montgomery, whoever is starting, uh, put them in your fantasy lineups because it's just going to be down the throat football all day long. I'm going Giants. You know, the you know, the Bears beat Houston when they were at home. Now they're on the road in New York. I think Giants have a better defense. I think they're just a better team on paper right now. So I'm gonna go with the Giants. Saquon's gonna have a big day. Uh, I'm a I'm a I'm gonna be a homer. I'm going with the Bears. Um uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a pretty run heavy game as well. Khalil Herbert gonna probably have a have a day. Colts, Tennessee, um, rocking with the Colts. They're carrying the Chiefs win momentum. Are Colts home? Yes. I'm going Colts. You know, I, I don't believe in Ryan Tannehill. And I think Jonathan Taylor's just bound for a breakout game. He's been off to a really slow start. Yep, Indy, Jonathan Taylor, breakout. Chargers over Houston. Got to go Chargers. Uh, Keaton Allen should be back. You know, they just lost the – Texas just lost to Chicago, so I mean, at that point, at that point, you just gotta roll with the Chargers. Houston's a really bad football team right now. That's the time we got through seven games. We got to be better next week, guys. But we're obviously not gonna just stop right there. Uh, yeah, we both got the Chargers. Justin, LA Chargers. All right, Cleveland, Atlanta. Browns should be probably starting four and zero, but they're gonna start three and one. This is a tricky game. It's a trap game because Drake London's pro- could have a really big day, but uh, I'm going with Cleveland. Uh, Chubb is just unstoppable right now. He's putting that team on his back. Uh, yeah, I was impressed Thursday night. I'm going with Cleveland. Washington at Dallas. Uh, I like that. I think that Mike McCarthy calls a better game with Cooper Rush in there than he does with Dak Prescott. And Dallas's defense looked really good. Uh, on Monday night, and I'm going to rock with the Cowboys again. 
I'm going to go Washington. You know, I think Dallas, you know, picked up the win last night, primarily because both their running backs had hell of hell of games, basically. So I don't think that they're going to be able to run just as efficient against Washington. And I, I think Carson Wentz get, is a lot better than people give him credit for. So I'm going Washington. Yeah, I hate Washington. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I hate uh, – I'm not too fond of Washington either. But I hate Carson Wentz. Um, they got to win some games, though, right? I think this will probably be the one. Um, I know Dallas got the home field advantage, but – yeah, I'm. Even though Carson is a loser, he ain't complete complete trash. He's just a loser. Um, but I think he's gonna be a winner on a uh, Sunday. All right, give me Philadelphia is the only undefeated team remaining after this week over the Jaguars. It's gonna be a great game, though. Yeah, I think Eagles will win, but I believe Jaguars are plus six and a half right now, underdogs. So I might take the Jag spread. This game will be closer than people think. Yeah, very fun game. Um, I think. Uh, I, uh, Eagles. Eagles got it. Buffalo, Baltimore, going to be arguably maybe game of the year. Could be arguably AFC championship preview, if not a playoff preview. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a game this year where I pick against Buffalo. They're going to lose some games, obviously, but there's a good chance that I'm picking Buffalo all 17 games this year, so give me Buffalo. Uh, you know, both teams are very equal, I think, So, but I got to go with the home team. When they're tough matchups like this, they got to favor the home team. So I'm going to go Baltimore. I'm going to go Buffalo. I'm on that Bills train. Um, I think I think they're going to probably lose some games that we don't expect them to. But, uh, yeah, this week I'm going Buffalo. All right, Arizona, Carolina. Uh, I feel like this also could be, you know, maybe a trap game. But I'm rocking with the Cardinals. I'm going to go Carolina. I mean, the Cardinals are just so limited right now. I mean, it's a – they should be 0-3 just with all the injuries they have. Kyler Murray is the only reason that they're even relevant at this point. But, you know, Carolina is at home. You know, early on in the year, you got to favor the home teams when they're very close matchups. And I just – I don't believe in Greg Dortch as the number two option. So, I'm going to go with Carolina. Yeah, Carolina surprised me last week. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't trust um, Arizona with those injuries. So, we're going to go Carolina. All right, Denver, Vegas. I think uh, Denver is no longer going to be the only team without a win. And I got uh, Denver or I got Vegas snapping out of the losing streak this week and getting their first win. Yeah, I'm also going Vegas. They're home. They're they're not going to lose another home game this early on in the year. So I think you got to go with um, the Raiders. Which one was it? Raiders Broncos. I'm gonna go Raiders. I think uh, they get their first win against that uh, inconsistent uh, Broncos team. It'll probably be like 20 to 13. <laughs> I can't see it being any more than that. All right, New England, Green Bay. Uh, beat up Mac Jones or not? I like Green Bay in this one, and uh, it's at Green Bay as well. Green Bay is so good at Lambeau. Uh, once again, Mac Jones or not? Bill Belichick's a great coach, but. Uh, it's going to be Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, this was always going to be a loss because the Patriots were not a good football team. They haven't been since Brady left. So I'm going with Packers. I don't believe in Belichick. Packers, same reason. Kansas City, Tampa Bay, give me the Chiefs on primetime. Yeah, I mean, this could be a neutral site. Uh, there's rumors of it. Be, it's going to be played in Minnesota, from what I'm hearing, due to the Hurricane Irene. So it's going to be in the Dome. Um, and I'm going to go Chiefs. They can't play it in Miami. Um, 
No, they want to. They're looking towards the Midwest, where there's no chance of like a hurricane or weather conditions affecting it. And Minnesota has come up as a name that will host it. If it goes to Minnesota, it's going to be a Chiefs home game. You think Tampa fans are traveling? No, Chiefs. That's like a fucking six-hour drive. That'll be a Chiefs home game. Oh, you got to. You got to go to like New Orleans or something in a dome. That's also been discussed from whatever because the, the Vikings, pl- Vikings and Saints both play in London. So those are the two like stadiums that are open and available. When was the last time we saw a different? Didn't when uh, Minnesota Dome Club? Didn't you guys play in? Uh, we played at T- at TCF Bank Stadium. No, but you guys had a home game at one the Detroit. week. Yeah, it, it was in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. I think it might have been against the Bears. I don't know. I don't remember. Who, I who thought was, it was against the Giants. No, Eagles. No, it, it was the Giants or Eagles. But, yeah, that would just be weird. And then last year we, we saw the Saints play a home game in Jacksonville as well. So They beat the Packers. Yeah, in Jacksonville. Very weird. Very, very weird. Um, last game, Monday night game, Rams-San Francisco. Uh, I'm going with the Rams in this one just because fuck the 49ers. <laughs> I think it'll be a good game. Uh, I'm going Niners. I like their defense better than the Rams. I think they'll be able to pass a little more. Um, the Ram- the 49ers just seem to always put the Rams tough. So I'm going with Niners. Garoppolo's played them multiple times. They're just in the NFC Championship game. So Are you buying into that loser? I'm not buying into him, but I'm buying into that defense. And I still don't believe Stafford's fully healthy. So they only beat the Cardinals by eight. And the Cardinals didn't score a touchdown. That game was close. Cardinals scored a touchdown. That game's probably tight, you know? You don't know what happens if the Cardinals just score one touchdown. So, yeah, I'm going um, San Francisco. This is my risky – this is probably the riskiest prediction for me of the week. But Niners are home. Like, stats show that you should favor the home team if they're in close matchups. Justin, Niners or Rams? Uh, Yeah, I'm going with the Rams. Um, I expect – the, the uh, Niners to eventually get it together, but as of right now, yeah, I'm with the Rams. All right, and I had Tampa Bay actually for the uh, last one, by the way. You rocking Tampa Bay? Absolutely. Oh, you hate the Chiefs this year. I don't know why, man. Chiefs are good. Chiefs are a good football team. All right, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Pinewood Perspective. Uh, you got our predictions. Don't quote us on it. We're not going to be 100%. Feel free to uh, quote me. Okay. Quote Thomas. If I'm wrong, then, you know, you blame me. If I lose you money in Vegas or on any online betting website, blame me. I will not pay you back, though. <laughs> Thomas is not giving out free bets. Thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode of the Pinewood Perspective. Peace. Peace. <laughs>